It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 29th, 2019. We'll bleed this into December 30th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow us. Follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's 111-100 to loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, without Giannis Antetokounmpo. What went wrong and what the big picture might be about why this team is struggling so much. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on Locked On Podcasts. I work by, switch, by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to f- learn more about the Atlanta Hawks before Monday's game? Check out Locked On Hawks. Want to look ahead to the to want to get the Bucks perspective of Saturday's loss? Check out Locked On Bucks. There's a Locked On podcast for every team in the NBA. So download today to find your favorite team. Plus our great national podcast, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rejecting the screen and the Dunk and the Hollinger and Duncan NBA podcast. You can find all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts. Just search. Search for Lockdown in the team you're looking for, whether it's NBA, NFL, MLB, or colleges too. You can find a podcast for you. The Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The Orlando Magic thought they had a bit of good luck and a bit of good news when it was ruled pretty early on in the afternoon that Giannis Antetokounmpo would miss Saturday's game with a sore back. He missed, of course, Friday's game against the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the... The Bucs are still a very good team, a very dangerous team, but certainly without Giannis Antetokounmpo, there's a weakness there. They don't have that same driving force. They don't have that same player. And Orlando had to feel pretty good that they could steal one at home, just like they did last year when Antetokounmpo missed a game when they went up to Milwaukee. Of course, that's not how things ever play out. That's not, it's not, never easy. It's never that easy, for sure. The Milwaukee Bucks came out and shot the ball pretty well. They stuck to their defensive system, walling off the paint, dropping and crowding players as they drove in the lane, and kind of playing human nature against you, thinking you could take that space and make those little flip shots and and tough and tough ones. That's not really Orlando's game, and Orlando struggled to get good paint touches and kick back out to the perimeter. While they were able to make threes early on in the game, things quickly fell apart. A 17-1 run to end the first quarter, including 13 unanswered points, gave Milwaukee uh, an 11-point lead. They expanded it out to 19 in the second quarter, and the Magic were playing catch-up. Whether it was the back-to-back, whether it was a number of things, Orlando found themselves deep in a hole. And Milwaukee was also on a back-to-back, so that really doesn't feel like an excuse. Orlando was deep in a hole and struggling to, to A, create offensive movement, and B, defend at a consistently high level. They got there, though. Orlando slowly crept back into the game, getting it down to two points, or to four points, actually, uh, early in the fourth quarter. 
felt like this would be a game. Orlando's defense did its job. The Magic figured out how to play against that defense and picked up big shots and big three-pointers. But that's not how this game would end. The bench unit struggled again. Steve Clifford perhaps hanging with them a hair too long. The Bucks stole rebounds. Literally stole them. And had every bounce go their way. And you can't do much about bounces. But what you can do is you can rebound. With the Magic down by four, they gave up. Ken Birch blocked a shot. Arsenio Yusova got the rebound. He missed the shot. Bucks got the rebound again. Found Kyle Korver for three. It was not the first time the Magic had given up multiple offensive rebounds on a possession to, to still a very potent Bucks offense, as Steve Clifford said. There's not a guy out there that you have, that you can ignore offensively. They are still a very strong offensive team, even without Giannis Antetokounmpo driving them through. Orlando forced turnovers. They got themselves back in the game. There were 22 turnovers by the Bucs. Uh, the Magic still did a lot of things well. But ultimately, it was that start and that start to the fourth quarter that did the men. With a little bit more urgency, perhaps, the Magic just could not scratch out the plays they needed. And one notable sequence... Nikola Vucevic tried to save the ball along the sideline, saved it right to Ersan Ilyasova, who hit a three-pointer. It was all those little plays, those 50-50 balls, those 50-50 plays that are so vital to a win. And frankly, for this Magic team to win, they need to make those plays. They need to get those plays. And frankly, that hasn't always been the case for them this year, and it's honestly a reason why they're struggling just a bit. Typically, a loss to Milwaukee, you'd say, no big deal. It's the Bucs. There's no shame in the fight. They're a very good team, but this game, Orlando had their chances, and they just couldn't play well enough, long enough. They couldn't play consistently enough throughout the course of the game to ensure their victory, to ensure that they had a chance to take this game from a very good Milwaukee Bucks team. It got out of hand late. Orlando just was unable to crack that defense one more time. They're unable to get that shot to go down to stem the tide. And the Bucks were able to run away and take a 111-100 to victory at the Fiserv Forum on Saturday night. If you had told me the Magic would split between the Sixers and the Bucks, I'd tell you that's pretty good. And, and I'm, I, don't, I don't think this is a, an, a panic-inducing loss. I think the Magic had some struggles, not unfamiliar struggles. They played decent enough defense, not great defense, but decent enough defense. But ultimately, Orlando knows they have to be better. They can't give up 33 points in the fourth quarter. The Bucks still with a 109.9 off defense, offensive rating, which is above the Magic's season average. Again, really good offensive team. And ultimately, Orlando just could not get shots consistently enough to win the game. The final score, the Milwaukee Bucks 111, the Orlando Magic 100. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. 
Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Let's run through the final box score for you real fast. Some some notable some notable game notable performances and news out of this one. Evan Fournier leads the team with twenty three points, eight for sixteen shooting, four for seven from beyond the arc, two assists, three turnovers. Uh, he he I thought did a really good job when he did get into the paint, making shots and staying really really patient. I mean I, I think you got to give Fournier a lot of credit. He is not a natural playmaker. He is not a natural kind of kind of guy that's going to create plays for others. It's still a part of his game that's developing, but. I will say I think that this year he is playing with a lot more patience and poise. The Magic are running plays for him to get him in spots that that he can score more effectively for sure. But at the same time too, I think Orlando, I think Fournier has done a good job just kind of staying in the moment and 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 sort of staying, you know, uh, not speeding up too much. Um, you know, he he's able to get his his three pointers and, and and the Magic do a good job screening him open. But he also does a really good job kind of getting into the lane and not going too deep and not going too far and, and making the right play and making those little flip shots and floaters. And, and he, he's been really good off the dribble this this year. Um, uh, this Bucks team plays a really unique style of defense. They, they do a really good job protecting the paint. The Magic didn't get a lot of opportunities or shots in the paint all game long. And that's, that's obviously a big reason why they lost this game. They couldn't get consistently the good shots that they need. And, you know, Orlando shot the ball well from beyond the arc, 14 to 35, four three-pointers from Evan Fournier, five from Nikola Vucevic. So the Magic were able to get into the paint enough to kick back out and get good looks from three, especially when they were forcing so many turnovers. But another big part of this puzzle, unfortunately, for the Magic has been their fast break game just isn't particularly very good. They had a number of fast breaks that they kind of flubbed. Um, they finished with 14 fast break points. They give up 18, which again, big problem for Orlando. They, they, they cannot give up fast break points. It's got to be something that they're really good at. Um, but Orlando, Orlando's defense set themselves up with a chance to win. And, and again, they, they, did, they didn't quite take, take advantage of Fournier, though, I thought played really, really well on that front. Nikola Vucevic, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 7 for 16 shooting, 5 for 10 from beyond the arc. Um, he was feeling it from beyond the arc. He had 4 three-pointers, uh, I believe, in the first half. Um, that's where all of his scoring was coming from, with the Bucks really crowding the paint and, ma- and making it very difficult to get anything going in the lane. Uh, Vucevic, Vucevic didn't... Uh, didn't really get a lot of opportunities in the in the in the paint. And I think the Magic used him more to spread the floor and keep Brook Lopez away from the paint. But I, I still feel like you gotta find ways to get Vucevic in the paint a little bit more. Um, I, I still think that Vucevic's worst play and, and and where he is at his worst is when he is floating around the perimeter. And so I, I would say a big thing for the Magic is is making sure they keep Vucevic involved in the paint and in the lane and and. And making sure that that he still finds his paint touches and finds his home within the paint. And I think that's that's still a big thing that the Magic have to find balance with. This the play, the game plan maybe didn't call for it in this game, but I still think when the Magic are really struggling, they need him in there. Now, I'll say this too. Nikola Vucevic was such a big part of the Magic's offense this game. He really helped it flow and helped it work. He was a guy, he was the guy the Bucs had to pay attention to even when he didn't have a ball. Um, and, and I think that helped the team. And, and you could tell Orlando was really struggling when Vucevic wasn't in the game. So um, I think I think that Vucevic, you know, played okay. I wouldn't say he had a great game. I thought his defense was okay. Um, you know, I think he did a good job protecting the lane and closing out to Lopez. But 
overall a, a really rough game, a really a really okay game for him. Again, an okay game for a lot of guys. Jonathan Isaac with 19 points, 8 for 13 shooting, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 7 steals. Uh, he's downgraded to 7 steals during the broadcast. He, he set a, a team record tying 8 steals. I guess one of them was taken away. Um, but Isaac overall was sensational. Um, it, it took him a while to get going. The first half, he kind of wasn't as involved as he should have been and certainly not as engaged and and uh, and aggressive defensively. Um, he did a good job crashing the glass throughout the game, four offensive rebounds in this one. That's where he got a lot of his scoring done. Um, but second half, he was everything defensively. He was... He was everywhere defensively. He was like a safety coming over to, to, to deflect to deflect passes and get steals. He really just smothered whoever he was guarding. I think he was on Sterling Brown for a while. He was on Chris Middleton for a while. He, he covered just about everyone. Uh, and, and when we say that Jonathan Isaac has defensive player of the year potential, this is the kind of game that that second half really shows why he has that potential or, or what he can do when he's fully kind of engaged defensively. I mean, he's just... He's just everywhere, and the offensive part of his game still has to still has to come to fruition. Of course, it, it, it's it's not all there yet either on that end, and and I think that that it's slowly coming, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few games, uh, how the Magic get him and get him back involved. But um, he he was making a lot of really good defensive plays, and the Magic obviously needed that to get back in this game. I would I would argue Isaac's one of the big reasons why Orlando made this a game at the end. DJ Augustine will be a point of contention in this game. I will probably take a uh, a little bit of a controversial take on his game. 12 points, 4 for 7 shooting, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc, 4 assists for him. I thought that generally he did a good job searching for his own shot. Uh, he did a good job when he was open for 3 on spot-ups. He did, I, think, I think he did a good job when he took shots in the lane of of getting those shots to go in. Um, you know, I don't think he took bad shots. I don't think he did anything anything too crazy there. Where Augustine really struggled, though, um, is kind of the big complaint that I think a lot of people have had about him so far this year. He's just kind of aimlessly dribbling around. And, um, you know, we'll talk more about this disparity coming up here in a minute, but DJ Augustine had a minus 35 in the game. And I I don't usually like to look at individual plus minus, and some people... I think would look at that and say, oh, you know, that disproves Augustine was terrible in this game. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that tells the whole story, but I, I, I it, you know, sort of like, the, is this anything? I, I don't know if it's anything, but it's, it's definitely something. The Magic were worse with DJ Augustine on the floor, whether that was worse as him as the primary point guard in that second unit, or whether that was worse with him at playing with Markel Fultz. Um, I, I, I think the Augustine Fultz lineup statistically has played pretty well this year. I, I, I think there are questions. It, it may not make as much logical sense as some people would like, but statistically that grouping has been fine, and although I don't think they were fine in this game. I, I think that they really struggled in this game. But Augustine just is struggling to get the Magic second unit playing at the pace they need to play at, and, and honestly, I think a lot of it is the second unit is struggling to play off of Augustine. I think there's you know, without Nikola Vucevic to space the floor, his pick-and-roll game isn't as effective. And Augustine isn't going to take bad shots at the rim. But he's going to dribble around until someone cuts to get open, and no one's cutting to get open. Uh, he doesn't have a great pick-and-roll partner with Ken Birch out there. And honestly, I, I would argue Ken Birch is the bigger problem. Two points, 0 for 3 shooting, 2 for 4 from the foul line, 3 rebounds. He got absolutely hossed by by uh, Robin Lopez throughout the game. Um, Lopez just, just overpowered him on several occasions, and, and Birch's rebounding just... 
it, it just isn't good. Um, you know, uh, the numbers bear this out that the Magic lose a significant amount of rebounding with Birch on the floor. And I'm not saying that Bamba is necessarily a good rebounder, but this was a game where the Magic missed Mo Bamba, honestly. This is a game where the Magic kind of needed Mo Bamba's presence um, more uh, as much as anything. And not just that, they needed him as a threat offensively. Uh, my biggest criticism of Ken Birch isn't that his defense isn't as good as, as we've come to expect from him or, or anything like, or even his rebounding, which has been below par. My biggest complaint about Ken Burch is he doesn't always look to score. When he catches the ball, he is not a threat to score, and defenses know this. Um, and, and that's a huge problem for this team. If, if you have a guy who is essentially passing the ball or not even looking at the basket the moment he catches it, that gets, that gets everyone in trouble. And for especially for a player like Augustine, kind of back to that point, especially for a player like Augustine, it is a huge, huge, huge deal. Because he doesn't, he, he's struggling to get himself and struggling to get everyone else going in the way that they need to. So uh, again, a rough, rough day, a rough game for, uh, for DJ Augustine because he got himself going, but he couldn't get everyone else going. And that's one of his biggest responsibilities. And honestly, again, I think it's, I think it's as much the lineups as it is Augustine. Um, so I think everyone deserves blame. We'll talk more about that bench lineup here coming up in just a moment. Aaron Gordon, a rough game for him. Five points, two for nine shooting, one for four from beyond the arc, two blocks. Defensively, I thought he was fine. They, they kind of flipped him on and off of Chris Middleton throughout the game. I, I kind of wonder if uh, if he had stayed in the game and stayed on Middleton, whether some things would have been different um, in, in this one. Uh, but Gordon, obviously 21 minutes, left the game in the third quarter, or left the game at halftime pretty much, or left the game early in the third quarter, excuse me, uh, complaining of, a, of, an, of an Achilles issue. He said his Achilles kind of locked up on him pregame. He tried to work through it, tried to play through it, um, but it just wasn't responding and, and, and appeared to be getting worse. So he kind of pulled the plug on his game and, and told the training staff that something was up and, and they, they, they kept him out for the remainder of the game. He kind of hinted afterward that he, he's probably going to sit out a few games to make sure that, that the injury is right. He doesn't want to be hurting the team. And you know if he's having some, some Achilles issues and, and he's had ankle issues and, and, and kind of leg issues throughout the season... Um, he hinted that he was going through something back when the Magic were in Denver a few weeks ago. Uh, if he's having those issues, that could explain why he's been struggling so much from the floor so far this season. Uh, he's, he just doesn't seem to have the same lift and same energy night to night, and, and an injury would certainly explain at least some, some of that. So I think it is important that Aaron Gordon get healthy. The Magic certainly missed him in this game, even though he, he's been struggling to shoot, but they certainly missed his defensive presence. Um, his rebounding has been really good this year. Um, and, and I think overall that that the Magic really just missed Aaron Gordon throughout the game. Orlando shoots 40.2% from the floor, 14 for 35 from beyond the arc, 16 of 19 from the foul line. They get 35 rebounds. They give up, though, 13 offensive rebounds to the Bucks. The Bucks have 57 rebounds in this game. Again, missing a lot of shots. We'll do that. They shoot 51.2%, 13 for 37 from beyond the arc. They get 21 from Chris Middleton, 17 and 14, 17 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 assists from Ersano Yasova, 17 points from George Hill, and 17 points off the bench from Robin Lopez. The Milwaukee Bucks defeat the Orlando Magic 111-100. to Orlando back in action Monday against the Atlanta Hawks. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And Steve Clifford really said it, like, plainly and succinctly, pretty clear after the game. If you want to look at why the Magic lost this game, you know, there there are a number of factors you can look at, but the biggest factor that that sticks out on the box score it's unfortunately that plus minus number every magic starter except for Aaron Gordon had a positive plus minus the problem Steve Clifford said was not the starting lineup although I would argue that because the starters struggled to close the game granted they came in when they were down like seven seven or nine eight or nine points so maybe there's a little bit of you know bad luck with some of the plays that happened and and just just you know trying to trying to have to do too much and, and too little time but every player off the Magic's bench that played meaningful minutes, so excluding the final minute 48 when Josh Majette, Emile Jefferson, and Melvin Frazier came in, every player off the Magic's bench was at least minus 12. At least minus 12. And Wessowundu was on the floor with those end-of-game end guys, so if they were plus 5, they were really at least minus 17. I mentioned DJ Augustine's minus 35. Aaron Gordon was the lone starter who had a, ne- a negative plus minus at minus nine. Yet's because he plays a lot with those bench units. And Clifford has said over the course of the season that the Magic's biggest problems, and he really said this even in the preseason, the Magic's biggest problems this year have come when they break the lineup. The starters have played pretty well for the most part. They're at a plus... 1.9, I believe, net rating for the season. Plus 1.9 net rating this season. Not good, but they'll at least break even. They'll, 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 they'll come out a little bit ahead more often than not, is what that tells me. So the starters have done their job. That, that, that group plays well together. Maybe not super well, but plays well. It's the bench lineups that are struggling the most. No matter how you slice it, the lineup that the Magic put out there to start the second quarter or to finish the first quarter wasn't cutting it. DJ Augustine, Wessa Wundu, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, and Ken Birch. Just, there just wasn't enough shooting, not enough creation against this Bucks team to make a dent. Orlando... If, if Clifford has faced criticism this year, and, and, and I think this, I, I, I've tried to explain why I think Clifford approaches the games the way he does, but I agree with this criticism. Clifford has been a little too slavish to his original plan, to his, to his rotation and his scheme. He doesn't adjust as the game calls for it. He doesn't come back with the starters a little earlier. And again, this was maybe a back-to-back, so maybe he was a little bit, maybe he was a little hesitant to do it. Clifford's approach to his rotations has always taken a long-term view to the season. His job, his big thing, 
is consistency. If he is here to lay a foundation, he is here to provide a consistent approach to each game. This is my reading of things. So, so, so if, if, it's, if I'm wrong, I might be wrong here. But my reading of things is Clifford's approach is about consistency. Guys know when they will get their minutes. They know what's expected of them when they're in with their lineups and their groups. He doesn't stick with the group too, too short. He gives them every chance to succeed or fail. And then he adjusts as necessary. Remember last year, the Magic had the same problem coming off the bench. They couldn't find the right rotation. They were playing Jaron Grant, which wasn't working. They were playing different. They were trying different different types of guys uh, in that second unit, and it and it didn't really work out until about Game Fifty when the Magic started playing Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier more with that second unit. Clifford didn't want to go back to that because it it had its struggles in the playoffs, and that's really the part of the game. That's really the part of the season he's thinking about. Is what's going to help us prepare the most for the playoffs and and get us into the playoffs, number one, but prepare us most for the postseason and, and succeed in the postseason, and obviously. This initial plan isn't working. Having said that, at this point, it it certainly feels like the Magic need one of, if not two of, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and Jonathan Isaac on the floor at the same time. And really, I would probably argue they need one of Nikola Vucevic or Evan Fournier on the floor at, at at, at, at any point of the game. I don't, I don't think you could do it for a full 48, but let's say for 40, or 40, 40 to 42 minutes of every game, one of Evan Fournier or Nikola Vucevic needs to be on the floor. They just make the Magic's offense work so much better. The Magic play a whole lot better. In fact, the Magic have a plus .9 net rating, the best mark on the team with Vucevic on the floor. The Magic are a team worst minus 6.2 points per 100 possessions, worse than their opponent, with Jonathan Isaac off the floor. So again, Isaac boosts the defense, Vucevic boosts the offense. It feels like there needs to be some combination of those four players on the floor at any time of the game. That was not the case. Certainly Gordon's offense has struggled, and and, and that's a big reason why I think the second unit struggled. Orlando tried to run through Gordon, and he struggled to hit shots. He struggled to get into the lane. He struggled to just get the space he needs to cut and, and slash the basket, which is really where he's most effective. And that's sort of the problem with this Magic roster right now. They don't have enough offensive weapons. They don't have enough. And so when they break the lineup, when they go to that bench unit, it's essentially a coin flip. At least right now. Now, I'd be remiss to say that, yes, one of the big issues the Magic face is their injuries. The Magic's typical second unit, DJ Augustine, Michael Carter-Williams, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, and Mo Bamba actually has a plus 4.3 net rating in 90 minutes across 12 games. So, perhaps the problem is a little more elementary than any of this. It's not about rotations. It's not about keeping starters in longer. It's not about, about making sure starters are in with that second unit. It's plain and simple about injuries. Being down Michael Carter-Williams, who is a disruptive defender, being down Mo Bamba, who is more of a threat offensively than Ken Birch and is a better defender, all of that hurts the team too. And injuries have been a, a, a quiet, if not huge, storyline of this entire season. The Magic, frankly, haven't been healthy consistently enough this season 
to take steps, to take the steps they need to find the consistency they need to build that rotation that we want to see. But the reality is injuries are a fact of life and you have to play through and around them. There is no getting around it there either. And that's where I think there is fair criticism to say, why isn't Nikola Vucevic playing more minutes? Why is he still at 31 minutes per game? Which is where he was last year, by the way, but he's still a little bit down. Why is Aaron Gordon playing 31 minutes? He was at 33 last year. Why is Evan Fournier still at 30 minutes? He was at 31 last year. Why is every key Magic player, outside of Markel Fultz, of course, except for and, and for Jonathan Isaac, why have they all seen a slight decrease in their minutes? Is there a plan to ramp them up to quote-unquote regular season levels? Is there a plan to ramp them up closer to playoff levels? Is it too early in the season and, and in the marathon of the season to have them play a little bit more? I think these are fair questions. I think that this is... I think those are absolutely fair to ask, and I think those are fair to say, and I think those are things that Clifford honestly is considering and pondering when to ramp the minutes up another level. Maybe we are too early in the season to that. Maybe he is looking at the big picture and saying, it might cost me a game here or there to not play these guys, but it'll it'll pay off for us because our guys will be fresher and, and, and we can ramp up to it later on in the year when, it, when the games will really will really feel the pressure. That's probably not a satisfactory answer for a lot of people because guess what? Every game counts the same, whether it's game one or game 82. Whether there's pressure on that uh, end-of-season pressure or not. Every game counts. And yeah, it, it does sometimes feel like the Magic give away games because they ride their bench, even just a hair long. I would argue that the Magic rode their bench about a minute and a half too long in this one, and that cost them the game. Because the Magic's bench unit in this game, particularly with the injuries that they had, struggled. was really bad. And the Magic lost that coin flip with their bench unit, with their bench group. The Magic did lose this game, in fact, because their bench wasn't good enough. Because their bench couldn't sustain any kind of momentum or keep things under control. By the time the starters came back in in that fourth quarter... The train had already left the station. Things were already running away. And you added a few bad breaks and a few bad bad, bad misses and the Bucks were able to pull away for good. It's asking a lot for this starting group to come in, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, with a deficit and a tight, without a tight game. This isn't the same group as last year that was able to, to come back late in games like they did. Like they did. Terrence Ross and DJ Augustin just aren't shooting at that level. They're, they're both their shooting percentages. Terrence Ross was at 38%. He's down to 33. DJ Augustin was at 42%. He's down to 33 from beyond the arc this year. The Magic just can't rely on that anymore. And so until they get this rotation figured out, until they get all those guys healthy, it's probably time to start playing the starters a little bit more and to make sure that they get these wins that they absolutely have to get. Does, does the Bucks game count as that kind of a win? Does the Bucks game count as the kind of a game where the Magic had to go all out to win? If the honest Antetokounmpo out, it certainly felt like it. Perhaps it wasn't. But regardless of any of that, the Magic do have to find some consistency with their rotation. And most importantly, it does feel like they have to get healthy once again. 
I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, search your tune in Himmel, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast enable listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore on being. Of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll be back again Tuesday with, an, with another episode of Locked on Magic. We'll recap the Magic's game against the Atlanta Hawks. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.